Okay, I'm at the verse. Thank you so much. Um, text 110. Thank you. Well, we have well, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Brihad Vritattaran Asman Tamscha Karvasya Dharmina. Samrajya Vyapritan Matva Maparadhar Vita Bhava. Please do not let your intelligence become shrouded by the offensive idea that you are staunch celibates and the Pandavas are mere householders distracted by political affairs. Commentary in this verse, Hanuman lays to rest any doubt by which one may think that because the Pandavas are wealthy sense gratifiers, Renunciates like him and Narada should avoid associating with them. Hanuman uses the plural form, asmin, to include by application the four Kumaras and other lifelong celibates. Simply to think that the Pandava is a materialist, even without saying anything against them, is a grave offense against pure Vaishnava. It's an offense from which the offender might never be able to recover. Therefore, Narada should not start thinking in this way. So <clears throat> this group has been with us and we're watching this beautiful progression of bhakti. You know, when you really want to sharpen your understanding of something, you look at it from different angles. That's why Prabhupada said we should meet and discuss the Shastra from different angles. It's like an axe. You know, you hit it from different sides. So we're getting this concept of pure devotion, which has some core, has some core uh, fundamental principles or, or 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 symptoms and one because it, it pure devotion is the opposite of material consciousness and material consciousness or, or the reason we're in this world is described is described in the gita as each dvesha samutena dvandva mohena bharata each dvesha desire and hate and therefore the symptom of pure devotion is when you have no selfish desire and you have no hate so you'll see in in all of these devotees there's no envy and therefore they have no qualms of pointing to someone who's um, greater than them. And in this kind of gradation, greater just means um, more freedom in love. 
And what do you mean more freedom and love? That if there's a sense of reverence, um, you're restricted by your obligations, by your duty, by your distance, by the formality. So the more there's intimacy, the more freedom there is and more force. And in fact, you know, we know from the... Um, we know from the um, the Chaitanya Charitamrita that the reason why Krishna came, or it's described there, is he wanted a love that's, he wanted to experience in this world a more spontaneous love, a more forceful love, which happens when God manifests uh, his full personality. And I always describe that principle that um, position covers personality. Because when you're higher than someone, then your intimate side can't come out. And those who um, have a intimate relationship can't manifest the force of that love. That's one of the main principles of, of Krishna consciousness. And we see that in the um, Leela where the gopis and Krishna meet in, um, they meet in the Kurukshetra after so many, so many years. And Krishna sees that, uh, or, or when Radharani sees Krishna, he sees him in Rajavesh. He's dressed as a king. He's surrounded by subjects. Um, and therefore, even though she's with Krishna, she's not satisfied because of that position. He can't manifest his intimate side. And because he's in the environment where people have that relationship with him, she can't express the force of the intimacy of her love. So there's this kind of gradation in terms of that force of, of, of love that's, that's not hindered by position. And, um, and the devotees recognize that and they recognize someone with a force of love greater than theirs uh, technically, but there's no envy. There's no envy because envy, Icha and Dvesha, envy is related on your desire because you want to desire and control and have a sense of more power and more superiority. Then you hate those um, one who exhibit a superiority to you because it, it ruins your, your, your sense of material enjoyment. Just think how even people that are very powerful, why they, they, they want, they're so eager for some political position. Um, so, but because there's no desire to control and enjoy, um, you don't mind if someone's superior. Um, and therefore Hanuman, and, and that shows his, his, his devotion. So he, when he's glorified by 
um, Narada, who was sent him by Pallad, and Pallad pointed to, to Hanuman, just because you know, Hanuman, Pallad, his relationship was um, kind of, it, almost in one sense, it, it, it was reverent. Uh, it, it was um, almost Shantaras. In, in, in Shantaras, um, there's there's such a, a sense of God's imminence that there's no sense of service. Service requires in the object of your love some need to serve. But when you fully have that cognizance of, of God's full imminence, it dampens that need for, 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 for serving in one sense, but there's an appreciation and a remembrance and a glorification. So Prahlad was always thinking of, of Krishna, but he recognized Hanuman, who had more of that mood of, of service, and it was a little bit more intimate. And then when Narada, on the recommendation of Pallad, glorifying Hanuman, then what does Hanuman do? He glorifies the Pandavas, just keeping everybody up to be, stay, stage here. Because the, the Pandavas had a very, like Arjuna, it's a friendship. Even though there's some mixture of reverence, because it's not brudge, it was still a friendship. And there was a sense of equality not superiority, but a sense of equality. And in that sense of equality, there's no restriction in the friendship and the love to the extent that Hanuman's glorifying them. The love is so sweet that Krishna can even be the, the, the servant. He can be the servant of Arjuna and ride on the chariot. So in this kind of glorification uh, uh, of the Pandavas, Narada becomes very excited. And, and, and really, that actually is the symptom of, of devotion. It, it, it's enthusiasm. Um, enthusiasm uh, in contacting objects of devotion. They stimulate your devotion. They stimulate your desire to serve. It creates something in your heart. So he, he becomes naturally enthusiastic. Um, and, and, you know, Narada is saying, okay, let's go, let's go. And Hanuman's saying, let's go. And they're so enthusiastic. But then Hanuman, who is, what is that? Uh, what is it? Sagara... Darya, who's the ocean of sobriety, um, uh, with an ocean of, of sobriety, uh, he can't go because um, it, he's so deep in his relationship with, with Ram and the service to Ram that he can't leave. 
And then he begins to look at the situation in another way. You know, he sees the intimacy of, of Krishna in relationship with the Pandavas. But that only inspires within him um, more devotion for for um, Hanuman, uh, for Ram. And I told the example of a sadhu telling me that when we were when a real Vaishnava, a Gaudiya Vaishnava, who has a relationship with Brajendrananda to Krishna, when he sees Ramachandra, uh, what he sees is he sees the glory of Krishna. And he sees this is an aspect of Krishna to manifest as Ramachandra. So it only increases his devotion. Just like a, a, a mother, if she sees her son, let's say the mother has a son and the son has a beautiful girlfriend, um, although she doesn't want that relationship, it increases her own relationship. Look at my son. He's with such a, you know, he's so, re my son is so, re is such a great romantic. She doesn't want that relationship with her son but it only inspires that um, more um, so uh, here now in this verse um, Hanuman now is encouraging the Pandavas and wants to enthuse Nara to go, but wants to clear up any misconceptions he has because the Pandavas, because the Pandavas are not classic renunciates. Um, they have their household is, they're involved in, in political affairs. Uh, and he says, don't let your intelligence become shrouded by offensive ideas that we are staunch celibates and the Pandavas are mere householders and this is interesting it's kind of quieting down outside so I, can, I think I can get some of my thoughts more clearly um, you know this is just such a classical uh, understanding of Krishna consciousness uh, and and the the Bhagavad Gita shows that one of the fundamental misconceptions of someone entering into spiritual life is that advancement in spiritual life um, or advancement in, in spiritual life means renunciation. Maybe on the path of Gyan, the path of, of, of Gyan, which is knowledge and analysis to become renounced. But on the path of Bhakti, the advancement is the level of devotion and dedication that one has in his heart and, and not his level of renunciation. Although the level of renunciation could be a symptom of someone's devotion, 
And then you can relate that to his advancement. Like Raghunath Das Goswami, he was so absorbed in devotional service and so in love with Krishna that Vishyabhini Vartante Niraharasya Dayana Raso Rajam Raso Pyasya Param Drishvani Vartate that he, he, he had such a taste for Krishna consciousness that everything else looks pale in comparison. Or, or Jamuna Acharya, who was a king and had a harem and, and, and you know, was such a vishaya enjoyment. But then when he got a taste for Krishna consciousness, when he got a taste for Krishna consciousness and he looked at his former sex life and, and, and someone mentioned to him that he used to be a king and used to have a harem. He, he curled his lips in distaste because actually he was experiencing a higher taste. This is how the devotee um, becomes renounced. But renunciation in itself is not an absolute correlation for advancement. And that was Arjuna's misconception um, that now I'm in anxiety. Let me renounce the world. And Krishna told him, no, that um, renunciation doesn't correlate absolutely with more devotion. And in fact, in bhakti, uh, it's not necessarily the activity you do, although it may reflect devotion. It's the consciousness in which you do it. And therefore, naturally, the Bhagavad Gita is said in the most extreme circumstances that Arjuna's devotion is the service to Krishna's to fight in the war. And, and he said, you know, you fight armed with knowledge, stand and fight. So, um, so naturally, Hanuman is going to tell um, uh, Narada, you know, don't become bewildered. A another classic story is that of, of, of Gadadhar Pandit. Um, I forgot who sent him there, but he was sent. You know, there's a great devotee, Pundarik Vidyanidhi. And Pundarik Vidyanidhi, you know, when he came in, I mean, he was on a, a he was like a magistrate. And he was on a silk throne and, he, you know, rubies, diamonds, rings and pearls. Just to attract fools to the spiritual world, dashing, handsome and carefree, such and such. Goswami, he was he was so opulent. And in his mind, just like he said, like he was warned here, don't let your intelligence become, I'm saying the same thing that Hanuman is warning Narada, don't let your intelligence be shrouded by this offensive idea that celibates, we are more advanced than the Pandavas who are mere householders simply on the basis of renunciation. Don't be, and, and here, in the purport, uh, it's warned, 
if you think that way, that people are materialists, it's an offense. I remember I was I, I met this lady in Brindavan who was more or less a very wealthy Argentinian lady and she had this business. She had this business, uh, I forgot what business, and she lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And, you know, somehow I was preaching to her, et cetera. And she had a nice place and she always dressed very finely. Um, but she was ready to give all her money to Krishna. She's, and she gave quite a bit. She built one ashram in Vrindavan that the teachers would stay in. She built one. Uh, she donated for something else, this temple. You know, so you could look at her, but different people have different material needs. Yeah, like, for example, like a, a, a lady may have to dress nicely. She may need clothes and she may be such an advanced Vaishnava. She may have family and children and so many things. But it's really your level of dedication. It's not what you renounce, it's what you give to Krishna, including everything, including your desires. So different people have different standards. So don't become confused. So Gadadhar Pandit, he thought, what is this? Why are they recommending me to this person? He looks like such a materialist. And then someone started to chant kirtan and he went into ecstatic symptoms, uh, put the virginity and, and, and knocked everything over. And then um, Gadara realized he, 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 he committed offense. And I think he, therefore he took initiation from him. So he's encouraging Hanuman on the greatness of the Pandavas even though he's fixed in his own relationship. Okay, now it's quiet outside. I'm really sorry. I really felt bad that somehow the technology here wasn't working good. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you could hear it, but it was so loud outside. Um, Nispriha sarvakameshu krishnapada nusevaya tadvai paramahamsanam Acharyaksha, Padambuja. Those Pandavas never desire anything material because they constantly serve Lord Krishna's feet. And indeed, their own lotus feet are worshipped by the spiritual masters of the Paramahamsas. Commentary as powerful kings in an age when royal status meant much more than now. The Pandavas commanded immense resources for control and enjoyment, but the Pandavas were attracted only by pure devotional service to Sri Krishna's lotus feet. And so their own feet were worshipped by the greatest of renowned sages. Many men commonly honored as self-realized saints are in fact polluted by impersonalism and subtle desires for fame and power. True Paramahamsas are extremely rare in this world, especially in modern times. 
Even 5,000 years ago, the ecstatic devotion of the Pandavas distinguished them as saints among saints. I remember the uh, the story Narayan Marge told me that when Prabhupada would stay in his temple, you know, Prabhupada had a room in the Keshavaji Gaudiamath. That's where he took sannyas. And Narayan Marge told me he was so impressed when he visited Prabhupada, because when Prabhupada left the Grihasta ashram, he left everything. And he said Prabhupada was so poor that he was sitting on his bed and the quilts, they stuff it with cotton, uh, it had holes in it. And Prabhupada, uh, I think at this time he may have been taking sannyas and he took his uttariya and covered the holes so Narayan March can sit. So Narayan March was sitting there with Prabhupada, but he said what Prabhupada would really like to preach about um, was that although the Pandavas were the kings of the world, you know, they had so much opulence, they were Akinshina Gotra. Akinshina Gotra means the, the, the lineage or family who are Akinshina. Akinshina means something. Akinshina has nothing. And Prabhupada told the story when he went to the train station and he saw an India like a hobo where they had a stick and a little bag, a little cloth bag with their possessions. That's all they had. But Prabhupada could see, see, he said he looked at the person and he can understand that he, oh yeah, that he wasn't a Kinshina, Prabhupada was saying. He was telling the rhymers, he wasn't a Kinshina. He was very attached to those possessions. And he said, although the Pandavas were the kings of the world, they had so much possession, they were a kinshina because they were completely detached. They saw everything as Krishna's. That's what, a, that's what a spiritual vision is. Spiritual vision is you clearly see everything as Krishna's energy. And what is Maya? Maya is you see things as separate from Krishna. And why do you see things separate from Krishna? Because that's the only way you can control and enjoy and feel some sense of superiority. So your desires affect your vision. And that's why we start in spiritual life with karma yoga, because what karma yoga does is people have attachment to things and therefore, through that attachment, they don't see Krishna. They see things as Maya, not Krishna, for the sense of that material conditioning. So they're not Ganis. They can't negate everything, renounce everything. So what they do is they give the fruits to Krishna. And by giving the fruits to Krishna, they began to see things as Krishna. It actually starts to... Um, purify that consciousness. But what to speak of someone who is who has bhakti or devotion, has love. They want to give everything to Krishna. They see things, they see their happiness in terms of the pleasure of Krishna. 
Anukulyena Krishna nu Shilana Bhakta Uttama. Anukulyena. They have they're favorable. They want to please Krishna. So Hanuman is just explaining, don't become bewildered by their opulence, because the kings or the rulers, they have to have accoutrements of power. Because to because when you rule citizens, naturally, even in the worst totalitarian state, it's a better political strategy to the extent that you can command respect rather than demand it. Of course, in a totalitarian state, ultimately you'll demand it. But if, if but if the leaders have political acumen, you know they'd rather command it. And especially if you're a king and you're ruling the planet for Krishna. So in your desire to command respect, understanding that the citizens are materialistic and they see greatness in terms of Aishwarya, it, 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 it invokes within them a sense of service, just like in the modern age. You know, people are so independent, they're so materialistic, but they'll go to a rock, a rock show and uh, they'll see the person is great and it'll invoke in them a sense of reverence. It's just like uh, the, the first step of God realization mentioned in the second canto of the Bhagavatam is the universal form. Why? Because you start to develop your reverence for God, you start seeing the vibhuti or the opulence in the world as God, the sun and the moon as his eyes, the mountains as his bones. It's the first step in God realization to develop servitorship, to develop the sense of reverence that's something greater. Oh, initially, it's in reverence. It's, it, it, it's to power. So therefore, the king has to keep accoutrements of power. And even if he's completely detached, there's a reason for the palaces. We even see it in England. They still want the, the monarchy. And I, I, fr frankly, I remember the first and only time I went to the Himalayas. And I was leading a bus party. We were distributing books up in Rani Kate, all these places, all these places, these little towns in the Himalayas get higher and higher up. And we were going back on the winding roads and you saw the Himalayas and layers and layers of mountains. I just had to stop the bus, get off and just look at that and feel that happy, small, feel the greatness of God. It puts a lot of devotion in my heart. That reverence, that power. So um, it's natural. The Pandavas as rulers of the world, even though they were a kinshina, they didn't have a sense of possessiveness. Um, they had to keep the accoutrements of power. And we know in the story of uh, King Prataparudra, he developed that desire 
to to serve Lord Chaitanya and that sense of maduria or sweetness that he wanted in that relationship was greater than all the opulence he had was possessing. But Lord Chaitanya wouldn't associate as a classic sannyasi. They just, the, one of the rules is not to associate with vishayi, with, with materialistic people or people who ha have the accoutrements of power. So the renunciate would never be with the king. They also wouldn't cross the ocean. And why wouldn't they cross the ocean? Because from India, when you go further west, it becomes more degraded. There's the Yavanas, and there's the Maleches. So, um, so King Prataparuja. And then uh, he dressed as a mendicant. So then Lord Chaitanya rested on the Rathiatra in Jagannath Vallabha Gardens. He got to do some service to him. And then he and then he began to chant verses from the Bhagavatam. Tavakatamritam Tapta Jivanam Kavibhikalmasam in I forgot Indi Tavakata Uri Dajana. He's both so Lord Chaitanya was so moved. So and not only saying this, but not only were they advanced in the midst of this, not just advanced, but the, the greatest self-realized souls, the greatest renounced sages would worship them. Tesham jeshtasya samraje pravatir bhagavat priyat ato bahu deva the eldest of these brothers ruled the state out of love for the personality of Godhead. Thus his kingdom is rich in all sorts of assets rarely enjoyed by the demigods. Commentary. If the Pandas had no interest in royal opulence, why were they so entangled in it? Only as a burden of love, King Yudhisthira accepted the responsibility of the throne because they afforded great opportunities for spreading Krishna consciousness. He knew that two special kinds of service available only in the material world, killing demons and preaching to the Gishan souls, please the Supreme Lord, even when they involve what seems to be material entanglement. You know, when I'm thinking now, honestly, I you know, some of my God brothers I don't want to mention names because I may exclude others. It's such a burden to have to be a GBC, to have to manage and all these problems that come upon. Um, so they have, they may have some power or some position, but, um, but as a service, as a service. And I, I, I told you also that when I first decided to take disciples and, and I consulted Narayan Maharaj, that Prabhupada said that uh, we could consult these some senior Vaishnavas, and I consulted him at that time. And he said, you know, he, he said I should do this service. 
He said, but don't think your guru do this as, as a service to your spiritual master. So in that mood of service, uh, and and Kamesiyanindriya Pritir, you take what you need, and different people have different needs. One has a tremendous desire to serve Krishna, but to keep the body and soul together, he has more requirements. And one may have be more renounced, but have a less desire to serve Krishna. But of course, when you become very advanced in Krishna consciousness, then um, you may not become renounced from the objects, but from the sense of possessiveness for them, the possess to enjoy them, because our philosophy in renunciation is yukta vairagya, which means balanced uh, detachment, that we give up what cannot be used in Krishna's service. So some people in Krishna's service need more things. And, and uh, but they're giving up everything that cannot be used in Krishna's service. So Sutta Goswami says, Emperor Yudhisthira administered generously to everyone during his reign. He was exactly like his father. He had no personal ambition and was free from all sorts of sense gratification because of his continuous service unto the lotus feet of Sri Krishna. Rajayan Prajat, gratifying the citizens, does not mean that Yudhisthira Maharaj pacified them with bread and circuses or a booming materialist economy. It meant, means he encouraged them to become Krishna conscious and made all practical arrangements towards that end. The pleasure of pure devotional service is the only real source of satisfaction for all human beings. As Narada tells Shanakarishi in Sri Hari Bhakta Shodaya, ah, you are most extremely fortunate because the entire population is being empowered by you spiritually. The truly fortunate leader of society is one who can still devotion, the Lord Hari, in the hearts of people tormented in material existence. Thus, Sutta Goswami further says about Marajudasthira. News even reached the celestial planets about Maharajudasthira's fame, his queen, his stalwart brothers, his extensive land, his worldly possessions, his sovereignty over the planet Earth, and the sacrifices by which he would attain a better destination. O Brahmanas, the opulence of the king was so enchanting that the denizens of heaven aspired for it. But because he was absorbed in the service of the Lord, Nothing could satisfy him except the Lord's service. Bhagavatam 1, 5-6. In Vedic civilization, the ruler of a kingdom had the right to claim one-sixth of the citizen's total wealth to maintain the government and his personal household. A king also received one-sixth of the people's karmic reaction, which a pious domain like that of the Pandavas, meant a great stock of good karma. Following the lead of King Yudhisthira, his younger brothers helped him rule the kingdom, but were not attracted to material enjoyment. The five brothers are universally famous 
for their cooperative spirit and their zeal in upholding the highest principles of human civilization. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop here. A little bit of a tough day trying to compete with the um, the uh, <laughs> the wonderful uh, the wonderful yoga outside ushering in. Now I'm going to speak to them about New Year's. Um, yeah, and, and what I'm going to talk about is, uh, I thought about this, maybe I should have shared this. Um, what I was going to talk to them about is, you know, it, it's not necessarily like a Vedic function, but it's the world we live in where the calendar is this way, and we are conditioned that the year begins and ends in this particular way. So it's natural um, to spiritualize it. But how do you spiritualize it? Because the general sense, and I've seen, I, I actually was reading something by a Vaishnav, that he said that at the end of every day, we should look back on our devotional service and, and, and take a tally of our devotional service and understand what we could have done better. And he said, certainly we should do that at the end of the year, thinking what could have we done better and, and, and make a plan to improve ourselves. Um, yeah, because Krishna consciousness can give us so much the happiness that we want in our heart is actually there in the holy name. Um, and if we make that endeavor to serve the holy name, certainly the taste for the holy name will increase. We just have to put in that effort. And then when you see that that taste increases, then you can have the firm confidence that why not let it just complete continue to increase? Just do the things in our lives that support the service of Krishna and give up those things in one sense that have no value to the extent we can. We have our responsibilities in the world. And then, you know, pray that one day um, the activity that which which is best for us is the activity we like the most to do. That's what we should pray for. The activities that are best for us are the ones that we like most to do. And therefore, on that basis, then, you know, people make New Year's resolutions. So commitments are important. I coined that phrase that commitments um, commitments change consciousness. Yeah, commitments change consciousness, especially spiritual commitments. They change consciousness. We saw that within Lord Chaitanya. When he committed, he surrendered, he committed, it opened his heart to God's love. 
in such an extent that it flooded his heart and he changed. So what commitments do is they, because we're not spontaneously attracted to Krishna, what commitments do, um, you know, and 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 just our, our spontaneous consciousness is, is internet and Instagram, maybe, and Facebook and, and whatever we do. So rather than live a life like that, just like that, we make a commitment. And it, it takes the our, our life or a particular aspect of our life off the platform of, of, of just our samskaric activity, which degrades the consciousness and brings it to the platform of uh, our intelligence. Commitments help us rule our lives by uh, intelligence. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go next door. I'm supposed to kind of speak. Um, I should be in a better situation um, next week to give class, not next to a... Uh, so I'm kind of looking at all the people that come, every single name. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, look forward to uh, Monday morning greetings. Uh, it's I started this uh, tomorrow, eight years ago. So it's happy birthday, eight years of Monday morning greetings. And what I do every year for the January 1st week, Monday morning greetings, is I review what I learned about writing. And this year, what I really learned about writing, I call the miracle of composition. How God uses our karmic abilities uh, beyond, uh, he uses our karmic abilities and if we're and when we use them for Krishna's service, it's not that we don't have any abilities. We have certain talents, but somehow or other, uh, we can achieve beyond them. And I, I was discussing that every you know week I'm supposed to come up with a realization, and I have to conceptualize it. Then I have to express it. And it may come out so easy and look like a, but actually sometimes it's challenging. And I don't know what, the, I, I can't imagine in Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, even Thursday, how I, this will be finished. And then it happens. And I see that um, I'm the instrument, but God is the agent. And that observation, my realization this year, it's so faith-building when you create something and you watch the hand of God use you to mold it. Um, so read that. Anyway, thank you all. I, I can't even say hello to you. Happy New Year, everybody. And my best wishes from, from Sridhar Mayapur. Okay. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. I have to kind of go next door, they're calling people.